and welcome to the HSJ Health Check podcast. I'm your host, Annabelle Collins, and this week I'm joined by Lawrence Dunhill and Dave West. Over recent weeks, we've seen a sharp increase in the number of shared trust chairs in the NHS, along with some other significant leadership moves. We'll be delving more into the detail here, focusing first on what's been going on in London and the North West, and why this is all related to the NHS's integration agenda. Also, in an incredibly powerful letter this week, NHS England has told leaders in the Midlands they may be entering the most difficult period of pandemic for more than a year, warning that high rates of admissions are closely linked to low vaccine uptakes. We'll be talking more about what the NHS can expect over the next few weeks in terms of pandemic pressures and the effect on other services. But first, um, we're going to discuss some of the um, interesting um, joint chairs. Um, Dave, I'm going to bring you in. Um, I mentioned London in the introduction. Um, so perhaps could you tell listeners what's been the, the key development here this week? Sure. The key development this week was the announcement of a joint chair across um, Bart's Health Trust, which is one of the biggest trusts in, in London and in the country, running, uh, I lose track, four or five hospitals, is it? Um, and... Um, uh, and with Barking, Havering and Redbridge Hospitals Trust, which is a smaller um, organisation further out in, in East London, but also still a reasonable sized one, uh, not a tiny hospital trust by any means. Um, <clears throat> with Jackie Smith, who until now has been the chair of University Hospitals Birmingham, moving to become the, the chair of those two in East London later this year. That for London, that's the latest in a very decisive move over the last couple of years towards shared shares in particular across um, across hospital trusts um, and in some uh, some mental health trusts as well. And uh, and so which has been driven by the the NHS um, England London chief executive David Sloman in particular and um, which Ben Clover, our London correspondent who can come on the podcast this week, is um, has written about lots in his, his London Eye newsletter. So you, know, you can follow follow all the developments there. Um, but it's, you know, they, they, there's clearly a view uh, among, um, with David Sloman and, and with other, some others that that bringing trusts together in that way will um, will help decisions be made more quickly, will make things flow more easily, might lead to a better standard of, of governance or leadership across the capital, um, more system working perhaps within each um, sector. You, you can Over in um, northwest London, there's talk about the two big uh, dominant hospital trusts there, Imperial and Chelsea and Westminster, about those coming closer together. And in southeast London, where I am now, uh, Guy's and St Thomas's and um, King's already have a single uh, chair, uh, a single chair and some other shared executives and, uh, you know, work closely together. And there's, um, you know, that that is the biggest, um, uh, you know, if you, if you count a group of hospitals, maybe we can get into this, you know, what is a group of hospitals or a collaborative of hospital trusts or whatever. Um, if you count it by the way, by shared chair, by a shared chair or chief executive um, and or chief executive, as is often the case, they share both, uh, though less so in London, um, then then Guys and Kings plus the Royal Brompton, which is merging with Guys, is the biggest um 
the biggest group with you know turnover well over three billion a year and that and once um once Bartz and bhrt have the single chair that will be i think the second uh biggest one and then the the third is uh the third is probably actually the single trust of of manchester i think probably up in the manchester foundation trust um but you know nationally uh, what's going on nationally is is a bit different to exactly what's going on in london but clearly you know fits into it as well nationally and in lots of different parts of the country but it, it, there's an interesting like regional pattern to all this i think actually how much is happening in different regions um there's also been a move towards hospital groups and collaboratives and shared chairs and chief executives for a range of sort of pragmatic mostly pragmatic i think but also there's a bit of sort of policy and ideology thrown in there as well um moves towards that um so maybe i could um we've also had developments this week in the northwest which which play into all this so maybe could ask lawrence yeah. to come in lawrence, yeah yeah I, I think a lot of listeners will remember a report that sir david dalton the, the former chief exec of salford royal in greater manchester was asked to do it was probably six or seven years ago now um around uh consolidation of uh NHS providers and it essentially said that a lot of trusts are too small and there's not enough really good leaders in the NHS and so by combining more of the hospitals under single corporate management teams you would improve services mm-hmm. and certainly in the northwest there that they've kind of gone quite far on that agenda um in in the years since um and there there has been a, a kind of acceptance that that yes there are too many organizations um and and david dalton has, has actually been working in lancashire over the last couple of years on kind of developing a uh, the a, a provider collaborative and getting the, the four acute trusts to work more closely together and so the the interesting thing that has happened um in the last month has been that um, Kevin McGee, who has been the chief exec of two acute trusts in Lancashire, Blackpool and East Lancs, um, has uh, now become chief exec of Lancashire Teaching Hospitals in Preston, which is the um, the, the kind of central and, and, and main acute provider. It, it had been thought that he could run all three um, and I think that's what he wanted to do, but because Blackpool are, are in such bad shape, uh, uh, as well as Lancashire Teaching Hospitals, the, the new one he's gone to, um, it was thought that was that was kind of too risky a move, but and, and too much to take on. Um, but because he is also going to be running the a, a kind of newly formed provider collaborative as part of the ICS which is predicted to to be a kind of a very powerful and influential body then it's 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 kind of seen that he he's kind of going to be running the all three trusts anyway or, or at least overseeing them and so what then has happened with those those two trusts that he's he's formally left is one has appointed a deputy on an interim basis and they've said they're not going to re- recruit permanently at the moment and so they're they're kind of thinking let's wait and see how all this develops and the deputy is obviously very used to working with Kevin McGee and and won't have a problem with kind of adhering to the to the system vision Um, 
and then it's, it's slightly more complicated at the other trust that he's left Blackpool which did decide to go out and appoint a, a new chief exec um, but they've got one who is a relatively new chief exec and is 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 likely to be kind of signed up to the to the overall vision for Lancashire and willing to work closely with Kevin McGee. Um, she is Trish Armstrong Child, who's, who comes from Southport and Ormskirk in the neighbouring ICS, Cheshire and Mersey. Um, and that in itself is then interesting because it opens up another provider collaborative. Uh, Southport and Ormskirk, the, the trust she is leaving, um, has long been deemed sort of un unsustainable as a standalone trust and that vacancy opens it up to be to have a joint leadership with St Helens and Knowsley which is an outstanding trust also in Cheshire and Merseyside. Um, I believe initially that's going to be under a sort of management agreement while they determine what the long-term plan is for Southport and Ormskirk. Um, but eventually it will be sort of subsumed by St Helens and Knowsley formally, uh, perhaps with one of these hospitals going into the Liverpool health economy. But that's another story. Um, yeah. I think so I was... Sorry, carry on. So, so that's, that's quite a lot to digest all in one, but um, there, then there is another leadership development that's happened in Greater Manchester, but maybe, maybe I'll come on to that. Well, I was just um, going to say that, as you said, it's kind of all very ad hoc but it, it, and bitty, but it's sort of like reflective of how this is happening around most of uh, the country and has over the last few years. It's kind of like opp opportunistic, so I say, and not in a negative, um, you know, sense um, that people are, these decisions are being made by whether it's boards or probably encouraged often by sort of NHS England and system leaders, ICS people and stuff like that, um, NHS improvement and, and previously the TDA and whatnot. They're taking these opportunities where chief executives leave or where they think they can make the personnel um, work, you know, make the senior appointments work, make, you know, where, where boards are sort of gradually eased to, to become happy with this situation because, of course, typically being taken over or partnered with a larger nearby trust is something that, that trusts uh, boards and governors and just senior clinicians, managers, etc. are often not very happy about. Um, so it's it's kind of, um, it, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's strange, it's happening quite quickly this change in a way. I was looking at, I looked at some of the numbers around the beginning of this um, this around the beginning of uh, end of two, last year um and you know there have been around 250 trusts for quite a long time since around 2007 six seven there've been about 250 trusts before you know all foundation trusts before that there were there were loads more but we don't need to go back that quite that far um and um you know it's it tapered off through mergers and acquisitions since about 2012 13 and maybe that's got a bit steeper in recent years but if you take account but still you know the number of trusts is still like uh you know well above 200 get 225 something like that um whereas if you take account of um these shared chairs and chief executives 
teams, you would now be like well under 200. And, and those things have just happened in the last few years. So the, the degree of consolidation, if you consider this consolidation and has really accelerated over the last few years. At the same time, it's kind of it's not unofficial, but yeah, this is not really written down as a policy anywhere, is it? There was the Dalton report, like you said a few years ago, Lawrence, kind of sort of uh, kind of softly, softly encouraging this. But I think David Dalton would say it should be encouraged a lot more decisively and um there are bits and bobs about provider collaboratives being encouraged in the in the various nhs england documents and the integration plans and whatnot but there's nowhere where it says like actually we think it's a good idea to have more trusts having shared chairs and chief executives which is really the main way that all this is happening you know in my um reading compared to any kind of more sort of way informed by a kind of uh, written down policy and strategy and it's you know it's, it's, we can talk in a minute about whether it's sort of a good thing or a bad thing but it's yeah. um it is it is in a way you saw it's a bit like there's a, there's a very much a sort of anti-policy trend at the moment uh i think we talked about that a bit on the podcast before um and it's it's kind of very much like a pragmatic policy let's get this to happen we know as and when we can but at the same time rather than you know there is a there is a there is no foundation trust pipeline sort of deadline here is there that ministers can't talk about um but at the same time you know it perhaps does leave it open to individual regional directors like david slayman or individual you know uh, characters or, or and, and regional variation and things like that so as some would argue it's not the not a transparent way of going about things mm. um, particularly with london i was i was struck just by how huge um that 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 is to manage as a chair i mean as you said mm. bart's is five hospitals and bhr is as by no means a dgh mm. um you know queens and romford is absolutely huge um but i just wonder how how do kind of you ensure that um the boards aren't overextended in terms of shared chairs and shared NEDs as well, um, mm. that they can kind of manage that, you know, yeah. huge organisation. Does Well, like, I think that does it really work for the patients on the receiving end or populations is is sort of the key thing, isn't it? And like 10 years ago, I think it was, it was getting on for 10 years ago, there was a lot of talk about South London Healthcare Trust, which was, there was a bit of a trend at that time for creating these mega trusts. Um, South London Healthcare was in, um, you know, it brought together Kings and parts of Lewisham and um, things like that. Uh, and um, that fell on its face. It was like the first, it was a newly created and then the first trust to go down the, through the only trust, perhaps possibly to go through the sort of trust, um, uh whatever it was called like Edison failure regime um and um uh i believe but it was a long time ago so don't quote me um the uh you know and so there was the trend went against creating these big mega trusts but it's, it's clearly come back in full full strength and i think there's still a sort of healthy um active debate and you know tbc about whether it really works or not that you would those who are you know be interested to hear from lawrence just sort of feeling in the northwest because they seems like they're going along with it fairly willingly but um you know that from my what i see you know the, the case for it sort of going pretty well is in um brighton where the marianne griffiths who was the the chief exec of uh, um Western Sussex and take over, you know, the, the much bigger and more specialist nearby sort of, you know, kind of basket case, really Brighton and and is, is I think it was rated quickly turned to get out of special measures and possibly it's rated currently it's good or outstanding now. But um but you know, and they are they're moving, they've just merged, haven't they, this April actually. And so her and her leadership team have seemed to have done a pretty 
good job there. And there's there's uh, well, Salford leadership, I suppose, took um, took Pennine out of special measures. But if you look, you know, actually Jackie Smith, who, who and some of our readers are, um, you know, debating this on the comments thread. Jackie Smith, who's becoming the shared chair of Barts and BHRT. It has come from University Hospitals Birmingham, which took over Heart, uh, Heart, was it Heartlands Hospital and um, Heart of England FT a few years ago. And actually, that doesn't look to be going very well. You know, um, jury's out, etc. But there are pretty some signs of big problems there, which we, um, you know, Rebecca Thomas, our Midlands, West Midlands reporters worked on um, and um, shed a lot of light on um and there are other examples like you know the big middle essex three trusts in essex merged um midland mid south and south essex they were a um yeah kind of poster sort of trust for um for hospital group working and then moving towards merger and they've had some good leadership but recently the wheels seem to have come off there really in terms of performance and getting their plans through and stuff like that so you know it is a jury's out but yet at the same time there's quite a decisive move towards making things bigger and there's also a healthy sort of policy and research debate about isn't it about whether big organizations in healthcare and big hospitals in healthcare actually do better and you know, for example the nuffield trust's done a lot about actually you know, smaller hospital the, the small hospitals and small hospital organizations in this country aren't that small by global standards and they're perfectly able to cover the overheads to manage themselves and operate in in partnership with others and stuff rather than having to be taken over and merged um but what's what's the sense in the northwest Lawrence? yeah so i think in the northwest what, what they've done to um try and guard against that issue annabelle is is they've yes they have kind of um brought trust together under a single group board but then they've also brought in dedicated leadership teams on each hospital site so that the big manchester trust for example that that they, they, they now have um, what they call chief executives leading each of their big hospital sites um, with with um, chief finance officers and chief medical directors at, uh, and so on. Yes, they, they, they're not chief execs and medical directors in the, in the sense of that, that they would be if they were running a trust, but um, that they, they believe that 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 sort of structure gives the oversight that the that the local sites need and and benefit from um and the, and 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 that again was something that david dalton set out in in his report as to, as to how things should run and has been implemented in uh the northern care alliance as well which is salford oldenbury rochdale um which was the other just bit of news from the northwest in that they, that trust has made a big appointment um today in um owen williams um who has joined from calderdale and huddersfield in in yorkshire who, who is kind of widely widely respected as a very good chief exec yeah I thought it was interesting just to mention that that point about um, about the local management teams of um, uh, of these trusts, which are part of the big groups or collaborations. They often call them a, a chief executive, don't they? The person who runs each separate site, even though they're not the accountable officer and no one who normally knows oh. a chief executive in the NHS. Um, and I did, um, you know, thinking about the, the East London situation a few years ago, interviewed um, Alwyn Williams, who's the like very you know, well-respected, um, I think she's very good, chief executive of, of 
Bart's um, the Bart's part of the situation, and she took that when I think when she took it over, it was already running all those all the different you know three different A and E's and five hospitals, and I think probably what part of what she did was you know actually turn it from a single trust into a group in a sense and she put in place more clear site level senior leadership teams and things rather than trying to run for four or five hospitals as one as one unit and i think there's one or two other hospitals which have gone down that route so they kind of in a way came to the group the group model from the other point of view rather than three sites you know, several sites merging they were actually one trust dis disambiguating a bit Mm. I suppose That's what right it means is, is you'd have a, a a group chief exec who focuses much more on strategy and, and longer term things and then the hospital chief exec who, who is much more about operations. Also Dave I just wanted to pick up on Birmingham actually because um, Jackie Smith obviously is leaving UHB um, put slightly um, surprise question but I was just wondering if we know what might be happening there in terms of someone stepping into that role is obviously that's a hugely important job yeah uh, i don't know yeah it is isn't it i think i mean as much as um who it is is sort of how they approach the situation there because the you know julie moore who um was chief exec for quite a few years of, of the uhb smaller version and then and it was all seemed to be going pretty well has then taken over uh then took was there for the takeover of heart of england you know another big hospital or two uh well has planned another smaller one um and um then handed over to a new chief executive dave rosser who was the medical director and you know I'm not sort of uh, up with all the facts, but you know, and and it seems to run into more problems. That may just be the timing of you know mergers mm. are very difficult, especially merge takeovers of very difficult trusts in very mm. difficult areas, and all sorts of issues going on there. And, and by no means a, an easy job, um, but it doesn't seem to be going greatly well. So what does the you know what approach does a new chair take? Do they think it needs? And the, the trust is it's sort of I, I believe it's fair to say it's sort of fiercely independent. It's you know it's rated. I think reasonably well. I don't know if it's good CQC or what. It's not been inadequate, and it, you know the the care provided at QEH. I think is probably uh, you know very sort of well regarded specialist care, generally speaking, and things like that. Um, but you know cultural problems and all this sort of stuff. So, but it's regarded as one of those sort of pretty fiercely independent foundation trusts that doesn't play nice with the rest of the system. And Birmingham and is notoriously you know not been a wildly collaborative system. They've been trying to sort of do something about that for quite a while. I imagine I don't know, but I imagine Jackie Smith would have said well she was trying to do something about that. I think she was chair or is chair of the ICS but it doesn't seem to have uh, gone terribly smoothly so I don't know who they who they'll get in yeah maybe but you, we can we were speculating about um uh you know people like other former uh, uh ministers uh you know Simon mm. Stevens uh, Lord Stevens of Birmingham available but I think probably a bit too soon uh to be a, yes. a helpful chair um uh, and then, you know, David Nicholson's also local, uh, 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 big chair in that patch. I think he's already chair of two trusts, isn't he, around the West Midlands? Yes, um, an ICS or something. Mm. And um, Bruce Keogh's chair of Birmingham Women's and Children's. So I don't know, but yeah. it probably, it may well be healthy to get someone who's got nothing to do with the local area to kind of try and take the... Um, take the sort of uh toxicity out of the sort of relationships and that but but who knows but again really interesting to see how they how they approach um 
getting the situation and system under control. Absolutely. And I think actually on the, it's a good point um, on the subject of the West Midlands to um, segue on to our the sort of second part of this episode, um, which, as I mentioned, is, is around a letter written by NHS England to um, leaders, regional leaders in the Midlands. Um, it's, it's, I think what, what I was kind of reading, and I'm, I should say that this was, um, this was a story by um, Rebecca Thomas, who um, can't join on the podcast this week as she's off doing other other um, important reporting. But um, Dave, um, you are happy to talk about it and just around why why is this letter interesting, um, significant and kind of maybe also we can expand the conversation a bit to I know um, similar things that have, have been happening in the northwest as well. Um, but yeah, is it is it a particularly striking letter from NHS England? Well, I think it's important and, and quite striking uh, because in this wave, summer, uh, spring, summer wave of COVID, um, the context has been that there's a huge number of cases. The government has accepted that and um, said that it's sort of, you know, uh, uh, gonna gonna kind of embrace that uh, and continue to unlock, but is but is key is keen to stress that the NHS is not going to be overwhelmed other than, and indeed sort of on the cusp of accepting that actually if the NHS does start to become overwhelmed then um, then it will have to change its you know have to U-turn on its unlocking stuff um, so you know and from the NHS staff and leaders managers point of view how bad is this wave going to be they don't know as with usual with coronavirus it's a big big unknown um and you know thus far we've had um ups and downs in terms of admissions in the northwest hospital admissions kind of rose quite sharply in particular specific areas lawrence can talk about it in a bit but then came down a bit now they've generally been rising in the northwest northeast and starting to rise in parts of the midlands but this letter but nhs england has been relatively quiet on the matter uh and um uh and the nhs in general has not been you know permitted to kind of come out and strongly say look this is we're in a really really tough situation and there's not been not been a great deal of that on the record whereas here we have a formal letter going out for, you know which was you know uh rebecca obtained it wasn't published to be fair but nhs england has put down in black and white um that this may be the worst period since the first wave kind of interesting observation i suppose because whether whether what one feels was has actually the worst bit i think probably varies um um, but saying there's the worst, um, this could be the worst, most difficult period since the first wave, which is, you know, really terrifying for people. And um, and also specifically linking this to low vaccination rates, saying that hospital admissions are clearly linked to um, high uh, admission, uh, to, to high admission, hospital admissions and intensive care admissions are linked to low vaccination in particular parts of the West Midlands, Birmingham, Sandwell um, and, and that sort of area. Um, and there's a there's a kind of very more NHS inward looking thing about this, uh, which is that um, the NHS England is going to have to ask people to um, you know, pull out all the stops again to not only help their own trust and their own local population as admissions rise, but that um, other local uh, they also have to, you know, step up to their intensive care capacity and cancel operations and ask staff to do more and be redeployed and things like that to help their neighbouring areas or, you know, at, at other places in the region, And which is why I think they've made this um, point about variation and vaccination rates, because the uh, trust others, trusts in other parts are going to have to um, do more where they may have lower admissions. Um, 
Yeah, I, th I thought that's what was interesting about this letter is that because Rebecca also had a bit of intelligence that there had there had been some um, tensions around hospitals not helping out neighbours uh, because this is a very different wave in that um, yeah the COVID pressures aren't as high but hospitals are very busy with emergency care, uh, extremely busy with emergency care and and the expectations to keep electives going are much higher than they have been. So you can see why tensions might be greater between trusts because they want to try and keep their elective um, lists going as much as possible. And and so there was an interesting line in this letter that um, trust will will have to open additional critical care beds if it's needed to relieve pressure on other units, um, which of course would mean they, they'd have to redeploy staff and, re and reduce their elective activity. Mm. As I understand it, there, there hasn't been a sort of similar letter such as this from the Northwest region, which which had the ha, has seen higher pressures than the Midlands up till now. And so and so it might say something about what the kind of local relationships and tensions have been in 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 these areas that NHS England ha, has has needed to step in. And just um, before we finish last week, um, if you listen last week, listeners, um, we talked a lot about how the government has changed um, the elective recovery fund targets. It's now expected that trusts will achieve 95% of the elective activity um, done last year rather than 85%, um, which is obviously much more challenging. And I just wondered, it just sort of struck me that um, that is a huge ask. Um, and obviously is contributing to the pressures around this. But I mean, Dave, do you think that I don't know. W could could NHS England have to row back back on that that ask, um, considering you know that the pressures, you know, this left the contents yeah. of this letter and the increased pressures, and um, you know, obviously the low vaccination rates trying to up their vaccine programs, and yeah, just just wondering whether we could see a, a U-turn there. Yeah, well, I think the system is that you get a trust or a sister rather a system gets paid more if they do more don't they so it would but it will seem rather unfair oh, do more elective activity but it would seem pretty unfair to penalize a system that's overwhelmed with got lots of covid um, and being asked by its neighbors to help out um for you know, cancelling electives if they had no choice so yeah it might have to more than, i think last autumn they relatively there was a debate about it for a while and then i think can you remember lawrence was there there's a benchmark of like 20 percent possibly they uh, nhs england said at one point like if you've got 20 percent covid occupancy then we'll exempt you from the particular penalties at that time or it might have been different but i mean it's hard to see how you're not going to be cancelling anything if you're on like 10 percent or more uh, covid occupancy which some of these trusts uh, are um getting are at and it will more will be probably be getting to unfortunately um so yeah i mean penalizing organizations for for being in that situation will seem a bit unacceptable and you know i mean the, as per last autumn the nhs sort of trying to do its best to to recover activity but people will have to accept that if they want to sort of uh, let covid rip then it's going to impact on elective care yeah the, i think that 95 percent is going to look very irrelevant in lots of lots of the country quite soon or if not already Mm, definitely. And I think just um, before I close, um, just to listeners, do get in touch and let us know what's going on in your areas as um, we're, we're keen to hear um, what the pressure's like. And um, yes, I think um, 
That's it for this week. Thanks, Dave and Lawrence. And um, just a reminder to listeners, the HSJ Health Check podcast is available every week on our website and across all main podcast channels. And please don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week.